the Everything Went Black podcast. This is a special episode because I get a chance to chat with one of my best friends, Ralph Schmidt. Ralph helped me out quite a bit over the years uh, with touring in Europe in various bands. And um, it's really cool that we're finally getting a chance to, you know, talk and, you know, do an episode together. Ralph's current band, Ulta, is uh, getting set to release a new record on Vendetta Records um, in the coming months. So if you're not familiar with them, uh, by all means, uh, try to check them out. You can find their music on Bandcamp and they have a Facebook page. So uh, yeah, definitely try to keep an eye out for it. This episode and all episodes is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. Uh, right now I'm in the middle of a, a GoFundMe campaign uh, trying to raise capital to start off the cold press operation. So uh, if you guys feel so inclined, you can check it out at GoFundMe Savage Gold Coffee and uh, either contribute some money or repost it somewhere. Before we get rolling, I want to give a shout to the affiliate sponsors, Datsusara for all things hemp related. If you need a gi, grappling shorts, a killer bag, Datsusara is your place. And also part of my everyday operations is on it. Um, I take their supplements uh, pretty much every day. And um, if you're about human optimization, you should go check out on it. Also, um, I'd like to thank everybody who's been listening to these episodes. And if you feel so inclined, you can give us a rating on iTunes. You know, leave a review, give us a star rating, whatever you feel like doing. Also, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Mike Hill HQ. Also on Instagram, it's Mike Hill Primate. So I just got the news about what happened in Munich. Um, did that affect you at all? Uh, well, it's it's rough to hear for me. It's yeah. uh, pretty crazy right now in Europe. And uh, oddly enough, I just like I I have a tenth grade philosophy seminar and. Uh, I taught this course and like the last thing we did before they went to summer vacation was like we spoke about what's right and what's injustice and I wanted to like uh, do the topic of human rights next and I said like as a homework throughout the six week holiday it's like okay keep your eyes open for things that might happen which are like serious problems with human rights and everything and now like the first two weeks you got to Nizza, and then you had like Munich, and it's just going crazy right now. You know? Yeah, it seems like Europe in general is um, really getting hit very hard. Um, and yeah. you know, there's there's stuff going on in the states, but but I really hear a lot, almost on a weekly basis, of uh, things like this happening in Europe, and it's it's sad. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's ever since like the media really did a good job on like spreading the fear of the refugees last year. Yeah, and like that was the main. It was a lot of propaganda and uh, and it was just crazy, you know. Like educated people that really really are smart all of a sudden started like saying, "Oh, the refugees cannot have that." Like I, I sported like in my in the teachers' room, I had a shirt on like refugees welcome, and like we have eighty colleagues, and some of them said like, oh, it's not cool that you wear that shirt. I was like, why not? It's like yeah, you're tenured of the state, you're not allowed to state your political opinion. I'm like I'm not allowed to say that refugees should be welcome, and that's that's so odd. Like dealing with adults that are really they have studied, they teach kids, and then they tell me like I should get rid of my refugees welcome shirt. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's a real ironic, it's a real ironic situation. Um, yeah. I mean, as you see what's going on in my country, man, with this. Impact. Yeah, I mean, this is like that's what we talked about. Like, in, in, I mean, I also teach English, and like when I when I teach English, it's not like what you guys have as English lessons, but like primarily, I teach them to speak English. And so a lot of grammar work and stuff. So like once you reach the eighth grade, it starts to get more cultural studies, and then you could compare school systems and what's the political situation in the UK and in America and so on. And then they like had to find out news, and it was like the thing that stuck most with them is like, oh no, another black person got killed by a police officer and things like this. And then we started talking about racism we have here in Europe and. It's bad, man. It's really bad. Like, if you feel look at like Switzerland when they when they voted, like this right wing dude, he just like it was like I think forty eight percent for him and like fifty two for the other guy. So like that was horrible. And I like, know it wasn't Austria, excuse me. And then it's like uh, then you have France with Marie Le Pen, like a right wing populist. She's like almost running the state. And in Germany, we've got this new party called AfD, which is like the alternative for Germany. And they're like all right-wing people, but they're like they do it like half half-assed. So they are pretty much the people that say, "I don't have anything against immigration," but on the other hand, they steal our jobs, and like it's it's really bad. And they get better ratings all the time. So yeah, it's scary. Do you think that um, the uh, you know this immigration issue um, and you know all this violence? Do you think that you know, feeds into the right wing sort of uh, atmosphere that seems to be on the rise over in Europe. Totally, man. It's like they they really take advantage of that. I mean, the, the best like the best ratings for like these right wing parties is always East Germany, like the ex East, because they um, they're still behind like with a lot of like financial things, and a lot of people are homeless and jo- not homeless, but like mainly jobless. And they're like they don't have anything, and the thing they lack the most is education. I think like it's at, at some points, and it's like for them it's really easy to cash in, and uh, so we have like people that started voting now because there's this alternative for Germany who says like Germans first. I mean it's kind of like the slogan of Trump, you know? Yeah. Like, make make Germany great again. And it's like, yeah, we, we spent so much money on like the migrant migration and everything and the immigrants and basically like our own people, they don't have anything, which is like bogus. And then like the IFD, they, they voted to get like the, the borders back up. So right now with, with the Schengen thing, you can travel to, I mean, you toured here. So, you know, like the only tricky thing is to get into the UK. But you can like go to the Czech Republic and France, and it's not a problem as a European citizen or as a, like an American. But they want like they want to have the borders back up, and the cost of like setting back up the borders is like ten times as high as it costs to give all the refugees that come here food and a good home. It's it's insane, and people are just they don't know what what's happening because they just see what what they're told to see in the media, and they don't read anything. That's pretty much uh, com- completely counter to what the whole idea of having a European Union was. Am I, yeah, am I right about that? <laughs> I mean, it's like suddenly now, yeah. okay, you know. We're... Dude, it's like it's the same thing like with the Brexit thing. It's like, 
with like propaganda. It's like the British roots. We've got to vote for the Brits. Blah blah blah. And they did it, and a lot of people voted. And then it's like, okay, so you will leave the the EU now. And then a lot of people were like, uh, okay, so what does that mean? And then they found out. And then there are like thousands of videos of people that are like, holy shit, I didn't know what I vote for. Damn, why did I do that? It's like, yeah, now it's happened. Fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much what uh, we're gearing up for in the States here. It's like a lot of people voting out of emotion as opposed to having an informed opinion about what's going on politically. I mean, yeah. unfortunately here, we don't really have, there's no real real viable candidate for either. Either You know, we got Donald Trump yeah. and we got Hillary Clinton and there's neither one of them are, are yeah. you know, sufficient as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, but it's like here in Europe, at least we've got like 20 plus parties to go through. Go yeah. for. I mean, there's always like the classic traditional parties that always get the vote in the end. But like there's like open, open range of like different parties. But in America, it's just like the two choices. And if both candidates suck, then you have a big problem. Well, for the, if, if only the only thing that really could come out of this relate this um, upcoming election you know with with bernie sanders like you know getting getting so far along on, in the democratic uh you know not getting the nomination but the, the amount of progress that he did i think yeah. that this might open up like a you know a multiple party system or at least bring us closer to that model that, that you have in europe which i think yeah. offers a lot more than just the you know the democrats or republican choices here in the states yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's the one positive thing that could, could happen out of this whole thing. I mean, it would also represent the Americans way better because they're always so keen on, like, the American dream, you know? It's like, do what you want and go for it. And just, like, if you don't have two choices, there's not much to go with. Yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy in that, you know? And a lot of it is just, like, marketing, you know? It's like we're yeah. marketing ourselves as this thing, but we really aren't that thing. That's what the you yeah. know, politics is all about. But, Did you watch House of Cards? Um, I've watched a few episodes of it, um, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting how that is completely tracking this whole like yeah. weird. It's almost like we're living in a video game or something or some narrative yeah. that you know these like. Yeah, it's like if you, if you watch that, my my wife and I we always watch that, and it's uh, it's pretty well done. I mean, it's only like my view as a European on the political system from what I know, but like. The thing, like, how votes are, like, cast in and, like, favors and, like, he gives me money, so I will do this. And uh, the political system is horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that, that's – I get a little depressed whenever I watch it. That's maybe why I haven't been so uh, diligent about watching yeah. that series. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, that's a pretty uh, heavy way to start off a Saturday morning, man. But uh, <laughs> oh, it's, it's afternoon for me, so like I, I was like following the news all day, and like I mean it was yesterday evening when we just like uh, a friend of mine came over, like the new guitar player for Ulta, and we talked about because actually he wants to get a cat it was like a really decent topic, and uh, then all of a sudden like in the news they were like okay in Munich this happened and we don't have any news and then all the news stations started broadcasting and it was like really tense and like. This morning when I woke up, it's like, okay, so this happens. We've got this clear now, and it's like, yeah, it's insane, man. So, yeah. yeah, but I guess, like, waking up and finding out about this, it's, yeah, it sounds pretty hard. Yeah. Well, I found out about it yesterday. I mean, because I, yeah. I pretty much pay attention to a lot of that stuff and, you know, kind of yeah. keep update on it. But, um, 
But, you know, but, uh, yeah, man, like, you and I have known each other for almost 20 years at this point, I think. Dude, yeah, it's really long. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we wrote, yeah. For those of you out there listening, um, Ralph is, uh, if you don't know of, of Ulta or Planks, his bands, uh, he's the handsome bastard that appears at the end of the Heroes video that uh, we did a few years ago, uh, singing the German sections of the song. And, uh, you know, Ralph's like a good friend, old friend of mine. Um, you know, we've been friends over the years, you know, multiple visits to Europe. You come over to the States and, you know, he's someone that I trust. Uh, you know, I would trust my life with Ralph. You know what I mean? He's a good, good guy. Yeah, thanks, man. Good yeah. to hear. It's like we it's, we should see each other more often, but there's always this little ocean in the middle. Yeah. Which sucks. <laughs> that kind of gets and, in the way. Yeah. And shit loads of work mostly, yeah. But I just, like, I, I thought about, like, how this all started. And it was, like, the Anodyne tour, which was, like, so so awesomely booked. And we had these days off. And I think what really clicked is when we sat on my, like, in my student flat when I still studied and watch Death is Just the Beginning, like the videotape with Nuclear Blast. Oh, yeah. With, yeah. That was where you hung out for three days or something. And it, then you told me about how much you hate Unbroken. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. It was like, um, that was towards, that was like, we had like a bunch of days off. Was it at the end of the tour, I think? Yeah, right. And, yeah, and then like, it was like after Burnt dropped you, and then I think you had some days off. Yeah. And then there were only like two or three shows left or something. And yeah, then that's when he hung out in Heidelberg at my flat. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. It was it was a good yeah. little, you know. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, uh, you really saved us in that situation because to be, you know, an international band just dropped off and left to your own devices for three days could have been like catastrophic for us. So it was like, yeah. you know, you came through and and like that was how we met. We didn't really know each other prior to that at all. So no, it was just like by that time already, I like, I mean, I played with my old bands, like I played some shows with American bands, but like you were the first like touring band I was really in touch with. And uh, then you hung out at my flat and it was always like, yeah, man, it's like they're stuck here and they don't know anyone. So why not? We It's like not a problem to have you sleep at my place. And I mean, ever since then, and then it started with Hellstrom, my like first proper band and like touring and had the same experience of getting like bounce of a show or something. And then you have a day off, like this network of people that really can help you. And I mean, you know, as well as I do, that the Europeans are super keen on doing that. And it's like, I had the same experience when I drove Ass Chapel for a while and like they, they got like stuck in the middle of nowhere and I picked them up and like I found them a place to stay and yeah, I mean, ever since I like right now with Planks and the history we have, like I so know, know so many people and it's easy for me to help people to tour over here and it's really cool to be able to do that. Yeah, you know. Actually, our first uh, foray as Tombs into the European touring circuit was with Planks. Like, you guys were yeah. on that first tour, and that was, like, another, uh, you know, sort of... Um, <laughs> we're trying to be, like, kind, because Jamie, the guy who booked it, is a good friend of mine. But actually, you booked a couple of shows on that, too. Um, yeah, right. You know, it was, it was done with the best of intentions, but I just think it might have, you know... It was a little too, uh, you know, too DIY, early. too early. Like, we didn't, our yeah. record wasn't really out yet. It wasn't out at all, actually. And, uh, yeah, it was like we've, but it was, it was good. I mean, it was mostly in the UK, which, yeah. 
It's also like, hard to tour. Yeah, the UK really. It's like at this stage, I really only like playing in London, man. It's like yeah. it's so hard it's playing most, around England. Well, most people say like if you go to that like play maybe an Ireland show, but it's always tricky to go there and then play London. And uh, if you go to France, play Paris. It's like there are like decent places, but it's rough to tour there. Like Germany is pretty easy to tour. You've got a lot of good promoters and solid venues. So yeah. So I don't know, like we, we talked about going to the UK too, but then it's like with Brexit now, we're like, ah, let's wait and see how this pans out. But yeah, I mean, it was a difficult situation back then. And yeah. uh, like we were come pretty unknown. You guys just signed with Relapse by that time, but there was no record out. Yeah, we made the best of it. Yeah, also Relapse is still isn't a very high profile label in Europe, really. So yeah. even, even that was like, you know, not much really help, you know. Yeah, that's something I, I had to learn from like that and afterwards but, like these big American labels that you know about, like when you're here and you're a real fan of metal music, that like things here work differently and also like the other way around. There's like, you know, like with our new label for Ulta, like Vendetta, when I talk to him about, do you know that label? And he's like, yeah, man, it's a good, he has good bands, but he sells maybe 300 records of them in the whole of US. It's like, isn't that a big label? It's like, no, that's not a big label. So yeah, it's it's all like it's really different different from what you expect it to be when you're just like a fan browsing through magazines. So um, what what's uh what's what's cooking with with Ulta? You guys have a new record coming out, and yeah, um, dude, like we re- released three things this year. <laughs> yeah, you guys you guys are real busy. You're very prolific at this point. So yeah, man, we're uh we're all like super pumped how well this band functions and like these four guys I've, I've known them for a while and like all their old bands we all play together and like right now everyone's living like in cologne or around cologne and then we just like planks broke up gold dust broke up the other guys didn't have a proper band and we started out and it works so fine like not only on a like musical level also on a personal level like these dudes are like my brothers i hang out with them it's super fun and yeah, man, I have a lot of like, besides grading and like teaching and spending time with my wife and my cats is like pretty much I do is like write songs. And uh, yeah, man, and it's like I bring these riffs with it and it just clicks. It's just like right now I have holidays and like it's uh, I met with the drummer of Ulta with Manu like two times and we already wrote like a new 10 minute song. And wow. It's really good. And, and like we have a full length record coming out with the five songs of about 55 minutes and then there will be a split seven inch and an ep which i can't go into detail now but uh yeah it's like it's a lot of stuff going on this year and it will all be released by the end of later this year yeah that's awesome cool yeah and the reactions are crazy like a lot of people are into what we do good offers uh selling stuff like which helps us to keep this band going with all the driving we have to do and shit it's pretty cool for like a new band from the ashes of like old bands to work that well like i'm pumped yeah definitely man it's like and the music's good too i mean it's like you know totally i'd love to get you guys over here in the states i know we talked about that yeah um, a few times yeah you know and it's just like this this thing in april which came up is like it's such a good offer we have to do this but yeah man tombs ultra thing in america has to happen now that's april 2017 right that you're talking about like there's uh, yeah right yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's uh 
long planning ahead, but yeah, we're working on tour with the great American band, and uh, so yeah, if that comes together, we'd rule. So yeah, we'll yeah. see. But yeah, we definitely want to go over because I'm the only person that ever toured the U.S. before. And even though, like I told them, it's different to tour there from touring here. It's a lot harder, and uh, but still, it's like just the thing to say, like, okay, I did it. And I mean, like our new guitar player that just joined, he said, like he's never even been to the U.S. So for him, it's like to go there and tour with a band like I want to play with. And he's like, he's into tunes as well. He's like, dude, touring with tunes, shit, like let's do this. I'm like, yeah, man, it's just like. It pretty much like comes to the problem that I only can tour when the school is like has holidays. Yeah. Because as a tenured, I can't just say, oh, okay, I'll leave for two weeks. But we'll make it happen, definitely, man. Yeah, summertime would probably be a lot easier for you. Like, you know. That would be awesome, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's a good time. That's actually a good time to not tour Europe is the summer because every all, all the festivals that happen. That's, that's right. Absolutely yeah, correct. Yeah, man. It's like I always have these six-week summer break, and we could do something there. Yeah. You know, and that's, believe it or not, we're, you know, in, in Europe, when you plan out tours, it's like a year in advance. But in the States, it's like we're literally getting our schedule for November, which is okay. only a few months wow. away. Like, that's how things are done over here, unfortunately. And uh, yeah. We're hearing about, you know, possibilities for, like, next year, but nothing is, like, we won't know anything in, at all until, no. you know, like, probably January or something like that for a tour that's going to happen okay. in, like, April or something. But, you know, it's just, like, a little different. And, I mean, I guess in Europe, the reason why they do that is, like, there are probably, I mean, I might be wrong, but I think that there are, the venues actually have, like, less shows per month i think right is yeah. that how it works a lot yeah, of times? The bigger, definitely like i mean we you know like we have this mixed structure of like the the really well-paid venues which are more commercial and they always have like a tight schedule because they always have to do parties and things like this to keep the venue running because shows don't make a lot of money it's mostly parties that make money and then you have like all these diy venues and i mean American bands or general bands from out of like out of Europe, they love to tour here because it's so much more comfortable to tour here. You get food, you get sleeping places. People really care for what you do, and um, so you have a lot of tours going, and people start to get real picky, and especially like in the time around the big festivals, you know, like this Roadburn time, for example, you have. 20 bands touring so it's like it will be mostly packages by that time if you play a show it will be with four other touring bands so there's also not a lot of money to be made which for us like as a european band isn't that big of a problem but if you come over and have to pay for flights and everything it's pretty risky yeah for sure and you know we we got beat up pretty bad on our last tour in europe um yeah. you know that that was like a really poorly planned uh situation and um Actually, it took us almost a year to pay back the money that we lost on the flights for that. You know? I mean, you know, there's a whole litany of reasons why that tour got fucked up. But like, um, you know, it's just sometimes that's how it is, man. It's like it never yeah. stops being a challenge to do these things. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but there's always like I mean, I guess you will work with a different booker and with a different like band to tour with, whatnot. Like there's always things to be improved. And we, it was the same for us. Like even with planks, like we only did smaller tours, but we did our fair share of mistakes, and I'd like to pay money on top in the end. But yeah, man, you learn, and it's what we love to do, and that's why we still do it. I mean, I'm also like. I'm moving towards being 40 and I still like sleep on someone's floor if I have to because it's just like fun to play the show and to tour. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, you recommended that, that uh, Netflix show, uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, man. And I, I, I'm on the last episode now. I like pretty much watched the whole thing in like two, two or three days. It's uh, pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, it's, it's made for people like us that, were, that grew up in the 80s and really are like suckers for that optic and like the visual effects the sound and everything yeah it was really well done yeah i enjoyed it it's like kind of like um if i would to describe it i would say it's like uh you know Stephen king meets like phantasm meets like uh donnie darko or something like that yes you know? steven spielberg definitely in there a lot yep. of, like for me it was the first catch was like these guys look like goonies yep and like and like i really like the goonies then like the the soundtrack alone, like the score and also the bands that are in, like starting off with the Clash and having Joy Division and all these bands. Then you see like the the Thing poster or the Evil Dead poster. There's a Millennium Falcon toy. It's like total nerd. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that they're into dun Dungeons and Dragons and all the comic book references. Yeah, and, it like, you know, it's great. So you like this this, this uh, what's this Dustin? It's his name, like toothless guy. Yeah. It's like little little chubby Ralph was like the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had no teeth, and you're his age too. Yeah, man, but I I didn't have hair either. Like I had like shitty haircut, but I was chubby, and I was always like the good friend and like the wuss. I don't know, but like I feel I felt like when I saw them, I was like, dude, that's my man, and that's why I posted this picture. Like he actually is the hero of the show. Like not Will, not Eleven. That's the guy, man. <laughs> Yeah, he's actually my favorite too, believe it or not. I, I um, he's also like kind of the most, the most like reasonable and the most yeah. composed out of all the characters too. Yeah, he keeps the shit together. Like he's not the cool guy. He's not the action guy. He's a bit careful, but like he's got his shit together. And like I kind of was the same thing with all of my cool friends that got all the girls earlier because I was fat. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have like I have literally just one more episode to watch. And it was funny cuz like uh last night I was um you know, I finished up all my stuff that I was working on like by like around 8 o'clock and I, you know, made some food to eat and I'm watching Netflix and I'm like I just kept going. You know how like Netflix has that thing where, yeah. you know, it just you go right into the next episode. And then it was like I don't know, like 1 o'clock in the morning suddenly and uh it was like I was falling asleep and I, you know, sort of got out of the figured i'd stop the episode and it turned out that it was the last one and i was like man yeah. this is like uh pretty compelling stuff you know yeah and it really keeps you like urging for more and i guess like it's so super successful so i mean with uh, making a murderer it's the same thing it was so successful now they shoot six new episodes and i guess like there will be a second season of that as well of making a murderer yeah did you see that i you know i started watching it but it was like one of these times where i didn't really have a whole lot of time and uh yeah. and but i mean i'm gonna pick it up again though i watched like the first two episodes and i was pretty much drawn in but i i just yeah, couldn't it's continue really with good it. and like uh, by that time it came out everybody was talking about it on social media 
And like I just read an article that they, they will do six more episodes about like what's happening now, what's the status of the trial and everything. So I mean that's the cool thing about Netflix. Like they produce a lot of stuff and if they have like a successful thing, they can easily have the money to do more. So yeah, so I, I I'm pretty positive they will do a second half this season of Stranger Things, which would definitely be cool. But there are so many shows right now, I don't even know where to start and to keep up. Yeah, actually, um, I think they just announced that they're doing a second season for Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Hey, it, do you ever see? Um, there was a movie called Southland Tales. Have you ever heard of that movie? That, that's what the rock. Yeah. Yeah, don't let that scare you away, though, man. It's actually. Yeah. I, I, I'm a fan of Dwayne Johnson, you know, like my wrestling history. I, but it's like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the new Arnold Schwarzenegger in a way. And uh, I watched that movie, but at that time he was still wasn't that big. And I just remember I saw it, but I don't really have a clear picture of it in my head anymore. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was similar similar to um, Stranger Things. It you know it has like this '80s. Even though actually I don't think um, Southland Tales established a time frame, but okay. it's uh, it has like that '80s throwback vibe to it. You know. All right. You know, it's I don't know. This stuff's really cool, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like I have on my computer, I have a lot of tabs open with bands I need to listen to and new records I need to listen to. And there's also like my list of things I want to watch is getting longer and longer. Yeah. And it's just like, again, like I'm an adult now. I work 60 to 70 hours a week, like with a regular course of grading and shit. So it's always like when, when my wife comes home from work and I come home, like I still do a lot of work. And then at eight o'clock, it's like, okay. We watch two episodes of something, then you go to bed and read. So this TV show routine is pretty good, but it keeps me away from watching movies because it's like I have a lot of movies I want to watch, but it's always like, okay, uh, maybe I just want to watch one episode and go to bed afterwards. I don't know. Let's do another one. But if you watch a movie and have to stop in the middle, it always sucks. So like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, man. So like, Southland Tales is on that list of things I want to rewatch. Yeah. yeah, definitely check it out. It's like one of my, it's a sleeper, you know what I mean? It's like one of those movies that no one really, very few people are even aware of that was actually. Okay, yeah, I know, yeah. You know, there's actually a series out there that I tried to talk about this on uh, my, my horror podcast, uh, Necromaniacs. It's like a series that came out on MTV, believe it or not, of all places, called Death Valley. That, I never heard of that. See, that's what I'm, man. It's it's a it's a drag because uh, Death Valley, it had one season and then nothing, and then like yeah. it got canceled and no one watched it and it was a great sort of uh, offbeat horror comedy kind of thing. Okay. Um, and actually, Rob Zombie's brother is the producer, director, writer of it, and uh, right. and it was like it it never went anywhere after the beyond that first season. And that's been, it's been years, and I don't think anyone's ever, and the story's not even finished yet. It just sort of ended with like a cliff, a cliffhanger, basically. Right. Yeah. And, so this sucks, man. It's like to get a hand on like these smaller things that no one really remembers. It's like it's horrible. Like I'm a, you know, like we're both horror fans, and I think that was one of the things we talked a lot about. Like when you stayed at my place, and ever since then, and like of all like the classic slasher things. I don't know, like, the first thing I really watched and got me into horror was, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. So, Freddy Krueger is still, like, one of my favorites. 
and then just like a couple of weeks ago, I remembered that it was like a TV show around the time that it was really a successful brand. Oh, yeah. And I think Freddy's Nightmares or something. Yeah, which yeah, had like yeah. one season of some episodes. I've never seen a thing of, of that. And I really want to get a hand on those shows, man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that, actually. It's funny how there, there was actually a Terminator TV show, too. Yeah, the, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, that's weird. That was, that was, yeah, man, that started, that was before the big show hype. You know, it was around the time when The Wire came out and all, like, these first bigger, really good shows. And, like, that was when people were still only focused on movies all the time. It's also, like, a lot of my friends watch The Wire by now and think, like, this is the best show they've ever seen. But by the time The Wire was on, like, no one watched that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's odd how that happens, you know. But what, what I think is true these days is that the true media... The true medium is the, the actual format of the long-form TV show. I think that yeah. you can actually get a lot more done with like you know eight or ten episodes. You know that's like ten, ten hours versus like a, a yeah. ninety-minute movie. You can have complex storylines. You can really like get close to the characters, and that's why they. I mean, I just I think I read an article that last year in America alone they produced three hundred and fifty new TV shows. Like, all these channels have, like, they try to get one of the next cool shows to be on. And it's crazy. So there's, like, tons of stuff. And it's always like, oh, this is... And, you know, like, if you're conditioned like I am, it's like, hey, there's a show about a serial killer. It's like, oh, I want to watch that. And then I watch it, like, Aquarius. And I think, like, oh, this sucks, man. It's like, this has nothing to do with men, so I don't want to watch that. And it's it's weird. Like there's so many shows, and then there are like total surprises. Like you start off, you think like, oh yeah, maybe like for example, Ray Donovan. Yeah. Like big promoted, and I'm like, uh, I'm not a big Lee Schreiber guy, and let's watch it. And I think it's one of the best shows right now. It's really well done. Yeah, I just started watching that actually. Um, I like stuff about crime, you know, and you know, sort of L.A. sort of stuff, and. I, I actually do like Lev Schreiber. I think he's a pretty cool actor. And um, but I haven't seen any any of it. And I just recently watched the first episode like a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, it's this is really, pretty it's good." Really good. I remember when I was uh, like uh, with my wife on honeymoon four years ago in the U.S. and we like spent four weeks on the West Coast, and it was just when the first season came out in L.A. Everywhere there were posters of Ray Donovan, Ray Donovan, and like that dude. I don't get it. It's like he's cool and all, but. I just remember him being Sabretooth in one of the X-Men movies of the old ones. And like, ah, I don't know. And then I started watching it, and I thought, like, this is really well done. But it's, I guess, mainly because of Mickey, like, the father character yeah. in that show. He's he's such a good actor. Oh, yeah, John Voight. Yeah, that guy's, yeah. like, you know, like an OG, like, legit actor, yeah. you know. Really good, man. The thing that I appreciate about it is uh, the subtle, I mean... The Boston vibe, like, because like, I guess the Donovans are these Boston Irish people that yeah, relocated totally. to L.A., which, um, yeah. you know, and I lived in Boston for a number of years. So uh, anytime there's like a Boston reference or some kind of, uh, you know, connection to that city, I always like, you know, get a get a kick out of that because it's, yeah. uh, you know, Boston's not really a glamorous city. You know what I mean? <laughs> to, yeah. say, to say I've the never least. been there. But oh, it's really? like if you watch it, it's it's uh, it's the it's the same like with a lot of American shows. You watch it and think like, oh damn, man! It's like I always wanted to go to Seattle, and then I watched The Killing, and I'm like, holy shit, that's a horrible city. It's raining all the time. 
Seattle is kind of a depressing town for me, man. Honestly, it's um, it is a very gray, dreary kind of place. Uh, I mean, it's a cool city, but um, I, I don't think I've ever been there when it hasn't been raining or overcast. Maybe like once or twice, you know. Yeah, when we were there for three days before we drove down to Portland and then back to the Gold Coast, it was like, it was weird. It was like three days and two days of rain. Yeah. Still, I think the town has a pretty cool vibe, and I really enjoyed being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, it's a cool spot. But then, then, then we drove to Astoria. <laughs> you know that town? Astoria. Like on, Astoria is on the Gold Coast. That's where they shot almost all the movies. Like, it's the way the Goonie house is. They shot a kindergarten cop with Schwarzenegger there. <laughs> and all these, like, it's a small town, but they have a film museum. And when you walk around this little town, it's like, holy shit, I know that school. And it's like, oh, man, that's the school from Kindergarten Cup. Wow. And, yeah, so that was that was one of the highlights, being on the road there, yeah. But, uh, damn, man, I really have, like, a, I really feel like I need to get out of Germany again. It's like, it's been too long. And this year, like, we actually wanted to go to Vancouver and, like, drive around there. But it didn't come together this year. So, like, we just go, like, to, like, the... Ocean side of Germany in a couple like a couple of days for just five days and it's it's been a long time ever like since I've been out of Germany for a longer time and I think I need to go. I get the same way. It's like if I spend too much time in New York, I just feel like I need to travel and uh, get uh-huh. out and do things. And um, you know, there's been uh, we're a sort of a lull in the touring right now because we're working on writing new material for the album mm-hmm. and uh, for the next LP and. Uh, so we haven't, you know, we, we're going on the road in, no, in November and, uh, okay. you know, right now I'm just kind of here, you know, just doing my daily thing. And, um, whenever I hear about people touring and traveling, I'm like, oh man, I wish I was out there doing it, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but you it's know, also it, like I have this, I have this big, like, I love the U S in a way just because of the vibe, you know, it's like, there's a lot of things that I don't like, but it's just like. When I watch these American shows and like I see like a Denny's and that's like also like one of the things I closely connect to you yeah. because it's like we have to go to Denny's. It's like it's the most solid stuff to go to. It is though, right? I mean, I wasn't wrong. Yeah. Dude, yeah. like when, when when Danny and I drove over there, it's like whenever we're like, ah, we need breakfast, like, ah, let's hit up Denny's. It's the only reliable source of food. Yeah, because um, I mean, you know, when I, I don't generally make a habit of going there in my regular life, but like when you're traveling, it's uh, yeah. and you don't know what's out there, and it's like in the world of uh, chain restaurants and fast food and everything, you don't know what you're getting. And at least at Denny's, you can get a salad or like scrambled eggs, yeah. and it's clean. And yeah. my whole fascination with Denny's started many years ago when I was in Anodyne, and. Uh, I got sick one. I got sick twice on one tour from eating. I got food poisoning on two different occasions on one tour. And um, ever since then, I was like, you know what? I'm When I'm in like the Midwest or something, when you don't know what you're going to get, I just go to, the, I just try to find Denny's. And I just know yeah. that they have a certain standard that they uphold, you know? Yeah. We don't have things like this. It's always with here. You only have the gas stations that have like these little restaurants in it where you pay tons of money yeah. for a dry roll some bad cheese on it it's bad like we don't have these real rest stops like you know where you can get proper food and everything that's what makes like driving around in the u.s a lot more comfortable you don't have to drive that fast you can always take a stop and have good food and it's like here you have to pay to piss yeah that's a big cultural shift for me man it's like you got and if (laughs) 
you know, they're like serious about that too. If you don't cough up yeah. a couple of mo- a couple of euros, you, you get a really bad time there, you know? Yeah, man. 70 cent to take a piss and you get a, a voucher for 50 cent and you can buy a chocolate bar, which price, the price is raised by 50 cent by that time. It's like, yeah, it's German efficiency, you know? <laughs> but uh, you guys do drive fast on the, on the highways, man. That's yeah, man, that's that's why the Americans come here, like with their fast cars and everything. <laughs> they always like it. Yeah, we have parts where you know, there's no restriction. You can go as fast as you want, and that's why we have a lot of like fatal accidents on the road here. Yeah, it's huh. like and people people have fast cars are and are stupid enough to drive that fast without being secure drivers. I don't I don't get that. So yeah, so there is there is actually a higher statistic of fatal accidents in Europe. You're saying yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're a smaller country. The highways are not like that. They're a bit more tricky sometimes. And yeah, you have people like, you know, left lane, 220 kilometers per hour, which is like super fast. And uh, like, I'm more the comfortable driver. Like, I just want to get there in one piece. And I also have a car which runs on like propane gas. So it's like fairly cheap and I can't go super fast, but it's, 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 it's good for the environment, and like I get there, and I don't need to rush. And I hate people that are always in a rush. Yeah. See, that, that's but the yeah. one thing I have to say about the Europeans as well is the uh, your your consciousness about alternative fuels. Like, you know, we're still a car a huge carbon footprint over here with the you know gasoline and fuels for you know vehicles and everything. And which, uh, which brings us back to the first topic because yeah. of like two parties and a lot of lobbyism. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the problem. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's uh, it's. I think that's another reason why a lot of like American bands like to tour here because um, it's it's okay to tour here. I mean, the gas is more expensive than the U.S., but still, it's like it's more healthy and you don't have the big distances and yeah, it's kind of different here. I guess that depends on who booked your tour in Europe with these distances. Yeah, right. Because yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. When uh when we were working with uh, Avocado, we had yeah. some pretty brutal drives, man, on those tours. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, what I'm always afraid of. But that's why I book most of my tours by myself. Yeah. But I mean, then you have like DIY venues, and it pays off, but you don't get that far. So like, I don't know, like if that tour in April comes together, we will see how that works. But um, yeah, I mean. Just like you, you know Dallas, like Pelican, oh, yeah, Ass course. Chapel. Yeah, like one of my good friends, and uh, I remember like when I took over that Ass Chapel tour, which was also booked by the guy that booked the Anodyne tour. Yep. Like they had like they they played Potsdam, and then they played in Utrecht in the Netherlands, which was like a nine hour drive. The yeah. next day they played Berlin, which is like the next town to Potsdam, and then they had to go to Prague, and <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like I, I drove those routes, and I'm like, oh, this is horrible. So, yeah, yeah, it really depends on getting who's booking your stuff there. Actually, for those of you out there who aren't familiar with European geography, Potsdam is basically like if you were to drive from New York City to Newark, that's about the distance of Potsdam to Berlin. So to play Potsdam and then play a show in a completely different country only to drive all the way back is like pretty crazy. And that's yeah. how sometimes it comes next together. Day to, next day to Prague, which is again like a nine hour drive. Yeah, you know, and it's like, that really wears you down, man. And, uh, yeah, those, those, uh, the tours with Avocado were, like, insane. Um, like, that tour we did with The Secret, uh, yeah. for example, we did, 
it was summertime, which sucked because everyone was at festivals and whatever. Uh, but we played a show in Helsinki, and then we, we took a ferry, and then we drove. It was like a 30-hour drive to play a show in Rotterdam. Oh, man. And right, be- right before we crossed the border into Holland, uh, we got pulled over, and we're, of course, way overweight. So we had to, like, unload half of the equipment at some random parking lot and have the driver drive to drive just over the border into Holland, drops, drop the guys off at basically make two 60-kilometer trips back and forth. You know? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. We, we had something like this at the French border. They always wait the cars, and then you have to like, get a different car. And also, like, Frank, the old bass player of Planks, he had to rescue Wolves in the Throne Room at some point because they had, like, a... Like a truck, like a trailer, which was only stuffed with their gatefold vinyl, which was like way too heavy. <laughs> so they got busted at like the border to Switzerland. So like Frank took another van, drove over there just to pick up the like the merch to drive like for three shows and then back. It's like yeah, man, it's insane. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, like with that whole thing with avocado. I kind of have to say, I hate to say I told you so, <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> but yeah. it's also like, it was sure like with the secrets, I mean, they're good guys and they're friends of UNO, and, but they're still like more of a hardcore metal band. Yeah. And I think also a lot of, a lot of shows, people didn't know where to place tunes. Yeah. Too, yeah. Com- too complex for the hardcore people and too, like too complex also for some metal people. And it's, uh. I mean, the tour was cool, and I, I saw the package, and I think it worked really well, but it's like avocado looking is mainly like hardcore, like tough guy, mosh, this kind of stuff, or like suffocation in these kind of bands. Now. Yeah. But that's the thing, like, what I, what I always talk about with friends, like, when we sp- speak about tombs, and I love a lot of people that love that band, they're like, yeah, where to place them? I mean, when, when Junior signed with Avocado... They got tours with Catatonia and Alceste, and that was really well. I mean, that works for the sound that they play. But, like, playing a hardcore venue, like, with, with tunes, doesn't make sense. Well, a lot of that's about the change, man. I mean, I, I can't yeah. talk about any of this stuff right now, but, like, uh, you know, there's definitely going to be a, a change in the guard when on all levels. That's going to be yeah. announced pretty that's soon. Awesome. And the main thing is that because I remember I read in your like your diary that you like post online after the last tour, it's like I might never come back to Europe. I'm like ah no, damn, don't. It's like you just need to have a proper booker and maybe have a German band's winky smile. No, dude, like, I I'm a big fan <laughs> of the Germans, man. They take care of business, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Next time, like maybe that we can play together again because it's it's rough, man. Because like. Planks and tombs. Ever since, like we go to go, went together a long way, but also with the split. And I think we only played that one tour here. And ever since then, we never played back together. Oh, we did. We did a tour in the states too, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, right. But like that, like when you came back over here, yeah, we, we were like a pretty well-known band with Planks. It's like we never got booked to play with you guys. And then I was like, ah, they're back here, and we're still not playing with them. So yeah, once you come back over, we have to do that with Ulta. I'm hundred percent well. behind that, and uh, you know, especially you guys are on Vendetta, which is like a you know awesome European label too. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, but they, so like Stefan is really like stepping up his game now, and he's 
he's so pumped that like Ultra is doing so well. So he's like he has a lot of things in his sleeve right now that he wants to do differently. So like his promotional work and everything will even get a bit bigger. So yeah, so I guess with the next record, our name will also get widespread in America. I mean, we have like the first record just came out in translation loss. Yeah. And uh, Drew and these guys, they did an excellent job also with the promo and everything. So, but it's still, I mean, America has so many good bands, like with all like my favorite, like black metal bands I listen to at the moment, they're mostly like from the US. And I think like, being a German band, it's like, okay, well, there's a band that comes from Europe and just one more band. It's hard to make a name for yourself, but like Ulta has also a lot of positive feedback from America because it sounds so different than like casual European black metal bands. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that for sure. You know, you know, a lot of that touring stuff though has very, almost nothing to do with, with me, man. I mean, it's like, I, you know, I know can, that, man. Yeah, no, I, can, no I make problem. recommendations, and especially yeah. with our former uh, agents that we worked with, they just had their own ideas about what they wanted to do, and, yeah. and they just didn't listen. It's like to there was never, never any thought that it was your fault. You know that. And it's like yeah. I just know it's business things, and blanks wasn't that big that we draw like tons of people. But like I just thought, always thought about, well, you could have our gear, so it would be cheaper, and yeah. Like, you and I get along well together, sure. so it would be, like, a comfortable tour, at least. Yeah. Transportation, you know. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and just for the record, it's like Avocado is a fine booking agency. I mean, they're... They totally are, man. You know, yeah. they just, they just uh, weren't a good fit for what we're doing. But, I mean, Avocado is, like, total pro. They've been around for a long time. And, uh, yeah. you know, Marco is, like, a very professional guy, and he did a great job on the business end for working with us. But on the other side of the coin, Rock the Nation totally sucks. And uh, you know what I'm saying? I feel comfortable saying that. Um, and also that guy, whatever the hell his name was, who booked that tour uh, yeah. needs to get his fucking jaw broken, if you ask me, for the job he did for us. And, um, you know, that's totally fine. I mean, I have no problem saying that about this dude. Um, I don't even remember his name, man. He's like some Dutchman. Um, yeah. the I think most be Dutch. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Holland's a cool place, but I, th I have the sense I get from Holland is that fun, fun place to hang out, but I don't know if they do business uh, so well over there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard to say this in general, but like, we have Germans that are, they fuck up tours as well, and I think you have all these people, and some have their head in the game, and sometimes stuff just don't work, so... I mean, there were a lot of factors that came together, but for that tour, which was like, especially with going to the UK for you guys, was like the big tricky part. Yeah. But yeah. there was also that guy from the UK involved, right? Like with the Temples Fest. Oh, he's great. Yeah, Simon. Simon's awesome, man. Simon's, you know, a, a great stand-up guy, man. Actually, his whole operation in the UK, um, he booked like all those dates, and they were probably the most well-organized dates on the whole tour because he took care of the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the guy is uh, Luke Favi, and uh, okay. I guess he works for Doomstar. Uh, but Luke, everyone said he's a good guy, he's a good agent and everything. But he totally fucked up our tour with Black Anvil. So um, yeah. you know, I don't yeah, know. Maybe maybe it's just that one tour. And I mean, he has like I think he has other projects that surely work. So yeah, I mean, if if he would fuck up all the tours, he wouldn't work there anymore. Yeah, I mean, but also I feel like Rock the Nation is like a lot of people are leaving that organization as well so uh yeah. 
I mean, I mean have, that's, that's still like that's still a, like a territory I I have no big clue about because we never worked with big bookers before. So um, I just know the name, and I think they book Behemoth and all these bands. Like they have like these gigantic metal bands. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, they they completely dropped the ball on our tour. So yeah. you know, but yeah, that's always the next time. Hopefully, we'll see, man. I don't know. <laughs> You know, maybe we'll we'll fly in for like a festival or something like that. I, I, we'll see how it goes. You know, but yeah, I, I um, like I said, if, if the right people are involved and the right um, opportunities are there and the you know correct agent is on board, that's then we'll come over. But I'm you know I'm done with working with guys like Luke Favi and uh, Rock the Nation and you know and I guess uh, you know even though I have enough much respect for Marco, um, you know he's not. You know, Avocado is not really the right agency for us either, but that's just the yeah, way it is. But yeah, that's what I said before. Like, they're super pro at what they do. And also, Nanu, like the other guy, I know him for a long time. They do killer tours, but it's just like not for the stuff Tombs does, I think. Well, I remember uh, playing uh, that festival in Belgium, Eperfest. Um, Eperfest, yeah, right. And uh, I mean, basically, that they should they could rename that Avocado Booking Fest, really, because it was like <laughs> almost his, his yeah. entire roster was playing that. And um, that, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I just remember like thinking, like, wow, this is really kind of like uh, a good cross section of the bands that are on the roster, and uh, yeah. mostly it was stuff that <clears throat> I really wanted nothing to do with you know what i mean yeah i mean they have like they have these hardcore hardcore bands they've got like these emo metalcore bands but then they also had mashuga and rotten sound play the same day that you guys played yeah but i think we were you were on like 11 in the morning or something yeah we were on like yeah like breakfast it was a breakfast yeah. uh you know sort of set but um i was just surprised that there was even anyone there man actually it was a good yeah. pretty decent i mean i guess the fact that people camp out there but you know, yeah, it was a drag, man. It really was. You know, it was like. I just totally... remember that, like Danny and I drove there, and like we parked at the wrong spot, and it was so muddy that afterwards, oh, yeah. like we got a ticket and had to get our car hauled out of the mud because it was stuck. Yeah, man, that's. It was um, it was kind of a nightmare, really. And I was just like uh, pretty well, pretty, pretty un unorganized, if you ask me. Yeah. But then again, you played Roadburn two times, and I think it doesn't get any better than that oh man dude that's the whole that's the opposite end of the spectrum it's like you know every so many bands that play that are bands i want to see and going going to roadburn is like that's you know i think i'm going to try to go out there i think i'm going to make that an annual thing i'm going to try to make that an annual thing for me is to find a way to go to roadburn every year and you know and just enjoy myself because like when i'm there i'm not really enjoying myself when we're playing so definitely not last time i just recall that like you were so stressed out that day you barely made it to watch fields of the nephilim that night oh yeah well actually we almost didn't even make it in we didn't even there was like a possibility of us not even doing the tour like up until weeks before we left mm. and i didn't know if we were going to be able to get into the uk which was like the mm. next day or something like that we had to go into the uk because no one had you know fought luke favi and rtn completely dropped the ball on getting our work permits or, you know, sorted out. And actually that's where Simon stepped up, man. Like I contacted him and I was like, dude, I don't know if we're going to make it in. Cause, uh, our agent didn't get our paperwork sorted out. 
and he just like handled it. He just like stepped up and dealt with the situation. And the fact that the, the fact of us getting into uh, the UK is really rests on his shoulders completely. And uh, so yeah, I mean, I was dealing with a lot of shit, man, going into that day, and um, it was just rough, man. But but you know. maybe maybe that like whole tension made you guys so crushing that night. I just <laughs> remember I saw I saw you the first time with that lineup, like with Charlie and with Fade and everything. And then you open up with that intro you've got, like also on the EP. Yeah. And then like that super fast song, like which also on the EP, like you played that third, and I was like, holy shit, they're so good. <laughs> I think like I remember I talked to Jacqueline afterwards, and she's like, and what do you think? It's like holy shit man i've never seen them like that so yeah i think it's like the most metal installation of tunes so far and it's 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 a really good lineup man yeah I'm, definitely man it's cool i've always wanted to have like synthesizers and noise and all that stuff and yeah. i just um it never it never really dawned on me until like about a year or two ago that we can actually add a fifth member you know and uh yeah. You know, and Fade and I, me, actually me, Fade, and Charlie were doing a side project um, with some other guys, two of the other guys from Hall, that band Hall. Yeah. And um, I was like, yeah, these guys are cool, man. They're good dudes. We got, like, a lot of musical influences in common. And then uh, when we were on tour with uh, with Paul Bearer, um, I was just like, do you think Fade would be into, like, joining the band? I asked that, you know, Charlie, because he knew him a lot better than I did. And... Um, we just asked him like mid mid tour, like when we played in New York, we just asked, Hey Fade, you want to join the band? And he's like, sure. <laughs> so then like when we got back from that tour, we started like working together and then, you know, it's been good ever since then. So yeah, yeah. it's cool. It's awesome. Right. It's also like when I think again, like we have a lot of things in common, you and I, I think oh, yeah. that's maybe why we're friends for that long. It's like, we both love Emperor that much. Yep. And it's like, uh, because Ulta has electronics too, you yeah. know, like we started out as a four piece and then Andy who recorded our first record and he's like, he played in bands and he knows electronic stuff and everything and keyboards. And I'm like, dude, like, could you consider like joining the band? Because I think it would make the sound even better. And he's like, dude, I always wanted to play just electronics in the band. So he joined us. And ever since then, I think Ulta is like a full on band with everything and it's yeah it's amazing what you can do when you have like the opportunities of a keyboard and like electronic sounds with that sound yeah yeah really and just the the frequencies that you can generate uh with a with a synthesizer versus a guitar and a bass are just a whole yeah. other just you know whole other frontier you know what i mean and um yeah. You know, and I mean, bands like Neurosis and, you know, they, they've opened the door for that. I mean, they were really probably the first metal band or whatever, or like heavy band that I ever looked at. And I was like, wow, this is like a really interesting way of using keyboards in, in this kind of music. Yeah. I think Neurosis is like the consensus band, like for everyone. I remember like when I listened to that podcast you did with the guy from Inter Armor. Yeah. And you spoke about the same thing is like i think neurosis changed everything for everyone yeah and if, if there will be like some sort of a like a heavy music hall of fame or something they would be the first inductee because what they did is just like game changing all the time yeah and it's like also one of the few consensus bands like we have like with ulta it's maybe four bands that we can all like agree on where we all say this is awesome the other bands mostly like two people say awesome and it's like well oh, that sucks but I think Neurosis is one of those bands like everybody loves. 
Yeah, I think um, it's funny because like a few years ago, I kind of had this criteria about whether or not uh, you could play in a band with me. And it was like, okay, you have to like Slayer, you have to like Black Sabbath, and you have to like Black Flag. Like they don't, not, they don't have to be your favorite bands, but you have to at least appreciate those three bands. And I would actually, at this stage, I think I want to add Neurosis to that. You have to like Neurosis, you have to like Black Flag, Slayer, and Black Sabbath. And that's kind of really encompasses the whole palette of what I like to do with music, you know? So, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's like a band member, like, minimum yes. criteria. <laughs> totally, man. When we, we had, like, our, like, we start, I started Ultra pretty much with one of my best friends here in Cologne, and he had to drop, like, out because of hearing problems and yeah. his job, so that was, like, really devastating for me. And, like, then we had this gap of, like, okay, we need someone to fill in, and we had, like, this guy that we knew, and he jumped in, and... Uh, so like one of the first things we talked about was Sepultura yeah. and like we all love Sepultura in that band and then we talked to him and he was like I've never been a fan of death metal I'm like uh, what? it's like Se Sepultura, death metal you don't? okay so after two shows he had to leave the band <laughs> <laughs> so like it wasn't necessarily that but that already like made my alarms go off and like with the new guy like you know like we, we had to we had to find some steady member and we had like this announcement like yeah okay so also is looking for a guitar player please no fanboys or anything like just like if you like to play that kind of music and you're a laid-back guy you're the guy for us and then he joined he's like oh, i've been listening to metal all my life slayer is my favorite band I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's that's a pro and then he came and had like the carrie king guitar and everything like um that's maybe not so suitable a little too much but uh like then he was like super cool and then it's like okay dude we have to we have to do a test so what what's your opinion on sepultura and he's like the first answer was like being at the fucking remains that's the shit i'm like uh-huh yeah and it's like up, up until roots i can bear uh, up until chaos ab i can bear it fuck roots and everything that happened after that but like arise and being at the remains and schizophrenia it's like okay okay you can't stop you're in the band <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. You know, I, I got to meet Max Cavalera um, earlier this year out in, uh, out in Phoenix. Because um, we, we, the tour we did with 1349 went out to Phoenix. And uh, All right. it was kind of a weird show because it was like a, two tours. Like it was uh, the 1349 tour and the Venom Inc Incorporated tour oh, okay, like, yeah. got meshed together for this one show out in Phoenix. And um, Max Cavalera was there and I got to meet him. A brief oh, cool. minute. And yeah. I think he's a, he's still a total metal fanboy. Oh yeah, man. He knows he's on top of like all the new shit, man. Like he knows about you know all the bands, like everything. Like he's like not out of touch at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's cool. It's like it's so funny. Like a typical European thing again. It's like they um you always see like pictures floating around of him and, and Igor, like the Cavalera conspiracy and everything. No one gives a shit about the music they do anymore, and everyone's like, "Oh, they should do a separate tour together again." Blah blah blah. But then all of a sudden, there's this one video where like Igor and Max get interviewed, and Igor is wearing a Death in June shirt. Yeah. And then you know what happens? Oh, they, they <laughs> thought they were Nazis after that. Yeah, dude, like all the shit went crazy. It's like, oh no, they cannot listen to Death in June, and blah, it's bad. I'm like, oh, this again. Oh. Wow, that's yeah. like a, a whole other like. It's funny in Europe. I mean, I get it. I totally understand 
in Europe, yeah. why that stuff is. In the States, like Death in June are almost like a hipster band over here. It's weird. It's, um, yeah. I mean, I've seen. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you have that, that burst of incident with the secret. I, I remember that. The, um, I mean, I've seen Death in June play. I've seen him twice. And uh, once I saw them in like 1996, maybe, in Boston. And it was like definitely like a sketchy situation with like the people that went there. And um, yeah. like one of my roommates uh, was a skinhead or ex-skinhead. And he had to leave early because there were these guys that were there that were like Nazis. And he's like, I got I to gotta get out of here because they're going to jump me and all this other weird shit. Nah. And uh, there was also even more disturbing than that. There was like the guys that you never saw at any other shows. Like these like older dudes with like black trench coats on and stuff that were like <laughs> these like weird like you know we, just weirdos that were like yeah. probably had some sort of weird political views. And then yeah, fast like the- fast forward a few years later, or actually a couple of decades later, actually, it's um I see Death in June here in New York City at, in Brooklyn, and it's like all hipsters. It's all like people dressing with, like Douglas P. That with like those severe you know, Hitler youth haircuts, you know, but they're yeah. like, you know, also into, you know, Chelsea Wolf and stuff like that, you know, yeah, it's like weird. I mean, that's pretty much that in King Dude and all these things, like, they're like the, the hit aftermath of Death and June, I think. And it's also like, I saw King Dude, like, play a couple of times when he started out, no one gave a shit about him. I saw him, like, in Mannheim in the club for, in front of 20 people, but then he played Cologne a while back, and then you had, like, these guys that all looked like Duck P. Also with like just like the same haircut, same style, and then there were like some hardcore kids again with like short shorts and like gym bags and stuff like this, and it's like it's weird. Like people get into that; it's hip now, and yeah, that's why Death and June is such a hip band too. But there's also still like a con- there's a little bit of controversy still surrounding them here in the states, and uh, you know it's. You know, like the Antifa is like, you know, there was like some of their shows got shut down um, on that. Maybe not the last tour, but the tour that I, I, I saw them on. And um, I, I actually was a little bit underwhelmed by their most recent, you know, live performances. Um, so I'm, I think I'll let the hipsters enjoy something that I got into back in the 90s. And, you know, maybe uh, they can figure uh, something so out. So you're, you're one of those guys now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I saw them when they were uncool. Well, they, I, they totally I, were I, uncool. I, and I, I felt, know. yeah. But it's like, you know, it I actually mean, does change things, man, the way I feel yeah, about music. Yeah, they're the advantage of being, like, our age. It's also, like, I have a friend who's also 10 years older than I am. And whenever we talk, it's like, my bloody Valentine. Yeah, yeah, I saw them in front of 30 people in Frankfurt. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. And it's like, he saw all the bands that I want to see. He even saw Joy Division live. And I'm oh, like, ah, damn. Dude, seeing Joy Division, that's yeah. that's like a very rare few people have yeah. actually done that. You know, even worse, he was in the UK when they opened up for Killing Joke. So, like, I would go see Killing Joke with him in December. And then he told me the reference. Did I mention that I saw him in UK on vacation? Uh, like, I saw Killing Joke with support of Joy Division. Like, Fuck you, man. <laughs> Actually, that was that's like kind of a legendary show. That's like the show. That's their first time playing London, I think, is when they opened yeah. for for the. And Killing he Joe. was at that very show. And it's like, and he's not the guy to brag around. He's just like he just mentioned it. It's like, yeah, Jesus and the Mary Chain. Yeah, I saw them. Yeah, they they said they would play really loud for thirty minutes and then they will leave. I I, I bought their demo. I'm like, ah, damn. 
Actually, speaking of Killing Joke, I've never seen them live, um, ever. Never? Nope. All these times. Aren't you supposed to, Ah, you had an offer with Tombs, right? But then they said they don't want to have a full metal support band? They, they didn't tour. They didn't do the tour. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, and then the last time they came through here, uh, they were supposed to play New York, like, I think in February. They were supposed to be on tour for, like, a couple of weeks out in the States, and the tour got canceled. Because he went to the desert and wrote his book. I mean, you know, they're they're a very uh, you know deeply influential band on on stuff that I do at least, and I know that you're a big fan of them too. But yeah, uh, I've man, never seen them live. I think you have to be insane like jazz is to to do that kind of music for that long. I just like there was a, like a music film festival a while back in Cologne, and they showed this Killing Joke movie, like the documentary that just like will come out on DVD in a few months. Yeah. And, like, when you see the progress and how insane that guy is, like, how the band started as being occult Satanists, and that's why they found each other and started playing music. And it, it's it's weird. And, like, it's the same with... I, I mean, we both love Swans and oh, yeah. Michael Girard. Like, this dude is also... You have to be a maniac to do music like this for that long. Yeah, the Swans are on tour in the States right now. Um, yeah. I should see when they're playing New York. It's like uh, yeah, man. I, I I had a ticket for their show in Cologne, which will be like the last German show I think they will do on that last run of shows. But then I found out I have got the ticket for the Cure for the same night because the Cure will tour and I will finally oh, yeah. see them again. So like I have to drive to a different city to see Swans again. But I've seen them like ever since I got back together. I've seen them four or five times and it always blew my mind. It's like one of the best band ever. I saw um, I saw the Cure recently. They were great. Yeah, man, I'm super stoked to see them again. I think it's been like 10 years now since I've seen them last time. Actually, this was the very first time that I've ever seen The Cure, believe it or not. It was just a couple months ago or whatever, like a few weeks ago. When how how was his vocal performance? Oh, man, he was, he was great. It was um, Actually, they played three nights in New York City at Madison Square Garden, and I went to the, I think it was the first night. Oh, and, yeah, um, I saw the set list of that show and I, I was almost wet my pants like, oh, yeah, I'm so happy that one of his favorite records is still Pornography which is like my all time favorite record Yeah, and like he always plays 100 Years and like Figureheads and Cold it's like that's, these are the jams that I want to hear when they play live and then I saw the set list and it was all killer and no filler yeah definitely man It was um, they stay opened up with Plain, plain Song uh, the night I, I saw it, it. That's like the ultimate opening song, in my opinion. It's just it so, totally. like, like in, in an emotional way, it's, like, so heavy, man. It has, like, yeah. this just this, like, this really emotional vibe to it. It was such a great yeah, way to man. open the set. Totally but yeah. yeah, you're going to have fun, man. I'm, I'm excited for you that you're going to go see him. Yeah. I, I also bought, a, like, a seat because, like, three hours with my fucked up backs. Like, I'm old enough to buy a seat. Oh, wow. See, like, we had, um, I, it was... We there's there's seating where I went. You could you had there was no general admission. It was all seating. Okay. Uh, Madison Square no, we Garden. Here's like it's in Cologne, like the Lanxess Arena, which is like the the biggest venue around here. And uh, they have like the inner like inner part will be like standing, and then all the things around it is like sitting. And like we bought tickets for the best category of seats, so like I pretty much sit like I think maybe. 30 meters away from the stage and kind of like watch watch it and it's worth it it's like they're my if i had to name like my three favorite bands of all time i guess they would be like definitely number one or number two 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're and they're, you know, pretty still pretty active as far as like making records and everything. Yeah, man, it's like it's really cool. I hope they will do a new record, man. But it's also the same with like my other favorite band, Killing Joke. That they came back together and are so vital and do like these new records and they always deliver. Fantastic. Yeah. The only thing that won't happen is new Joy Division records. Wow. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, what's cra- you know what's crazy is that Ian Curtis killed himself at 23 years old of age, which is yeah, insane. Like that, he wrote all that material prior to being 23 years old. It's so heavy. It's so so well done. Still, like the lyrics are so ace. Yeah, it's timeless, you know. And because um, I was thinking about what I was, you know, the the non the non thoughts I was having when I was 23 years old versus the thoughts that. We're in the head of Ian Curtis when he was 23, you know? <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, I can't even go back to being 23. I think I just finished my apprenticeship as being an insurance broker. And I said, well, fuck it all. Like, this is not what I can do for the rest of my life. And I was listening only to, like, punk, post-punk, and death metal by that time. I think it was, like, the time I finished that. I looked like a complete jerk working for an insurance. But when I work to work, I listen to Incantation onward to Golgotha the whole time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, close to killing people, yeah, man. <laughs> so, um, as far as uh, as Ulfa goes, what's um, where can people find you guys? Like, as far as like Facebook and on the web, and you know. Yeah, but we have like we don't have a proper website because it doesn't make sense for a band like us. But like Facebook.com slash Temple of Ulta. Like, you will find it. I mean, it's the, the spelling is like U-L-T-H-A. It's like a town from Lovecraft story minus the last R, like Ulta. And uh, if you Google that, we're the only band by that name. You will find it. Like, also, like, Bandcamp. It's also, like, Ulta.Bandcamp.com. And, uh, yeah, you can get our stuff there. And pretty much we do everything through Facebook because it's cheap. And, like, you reach a lot of people there. Yeah, and... Uh, Yes, new music will be like we will have a new like song come out in I think a month from now. Like we're waiting for vinyl right now, which will be of that EP. And so then, piece by piece, like we will tour in October, the first time, like the first Ulta tour. And yeah, then later this year the fulling, which I'm pumped like because it's different. It's like songs are longer, a bit more faster. And like with electronics, like the first time for real, and uh, like I'm super stoked about the songwriting. Like I think we really grew together as a proper band because like the first record is good for a first record, and it's like the four songs are still pretty pretty different, but like the new record is uh, like one solid big piece of 55 minutes. So I think people will dig it. That's awesome, man. I can't wait. You know, it's for- yeah, we'll send it over. Like, it's right now, it's being mastered. So, so I should have the final cut in like a week. I'll upload it for you then. No, I appreciate that. Um, so the tour for next year, that's you guys were talking to Woe about doing that, right? That's, that's right, man. Super pumped about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, depending on what's going on with us, we definitely would be interested in at least playing a couple of shows on that. If, you know, I mean, yeah, I know, I know Chris pretty well. You know, and, and uh, I think it'd be pretty easy to set that up. Yeah, man. It's like, yeah, that's what we talked about, like having a third band, two weeks Ulta and a third band. And I think like when, when Chris told me that Woe is active again, and they want to come over here and that we might like do an American thing together. I think that would be a killer package. Yeah, I think it would be great, man. 
Yeah. Also, you. I mean, you know Chris and Chris yeah. knows you guys, and I think like it's would be a perfect match, also music wise. Yeah, like, I've always been. A, I've always yeah. been a fan of uh, Whoa. I always thought they were a great band. Yeah, they were so underrated by the time they were active, and also like they had this shitty deal with Candlelight, and no one got like word about them here. So they have like a small fan base, but it's like they never really got the attention they deserved because they did something really unique and like this more traditional black metal way but like chris songwriting i'm always like i'm a sucker for good songwriting and that's what i always like i accredited like with you like your songwriting is always flawless oh thank and, you like, like, chris has like the same the same thing also like with entering clean vocals without being cheesy and without like being bad and it's like yeah man so i think we would be totally on like in one way that would be awesome yeah so yeah. um yeah, just so I, you know, figure uh, definitely figure on doing a couple, at least a couple of dates. I mean, you know, like I said, it's hard to. I mean, it's it's not it's hard to plan that far in advance, honestly, because uh, we're also trying to figure out uh, you know tour, um, touring as well as recording. So um, yeah. I mean, it looks like we're probably going to be doing the recording like in either January or February, and you know, it's like I just it's hard to really commit to anything that far out. So, but, yeah. but definitely at least a couple of shows, you know. Yeah, man, we were in touch anyhow, so we'll figure something out. Yeah, man. It will happen. Cool. So, um, so yeah, dude, thanks for taking the time out this morning or this afternoon for you, this morning for me. Yeah, um, to, yeah thanks for having me, you know. man. It's like I always wanted to be on here, you know, like how often we talked about it. And finally, my internet is proper enough to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Like, would have been better to like sit over a cup of coffee and like talk face to face, which would be like way too long. Well, when you but, uh, when you come out again, or hopefully we'll be on the road together, we can do another another episode. I definitely yeah, man, that. that would be awesome. Yeah, like we will do that at some point. Yeah, cool. But it's cool. Like, I really always enjoy your podcast, and so like it's cool to finally be part of that. I don't know if I'm the first European to do that. Now you did one with the secret when you were on tour with them, right? Yes. But I, yeah. But I'm the I'm the first German one, maybe. Yeah, we had two Italians. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. Not com- not, it's not comparable. <laughs> I'm more efficient. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, like we, uh, yeah, that was there were some funny stories from that tour of like getting showing up late and uh, one time on the ferry, like almost not getting everyone like having missing people and like we couldn't find certain guys and like we almost uh you know weren't back to the van in time to get off the boat it was like a lot of insanity on that tour man you know but uh yeah i love those those guys are good dudes though they're really yeah i always like them it's like it's a shame that they are not active anymore at the moment at least i don't know like I, I heard stories why they can't do anything right now, but I hope they get back together because they were like the only of these like black and hardcore bands that really did it in a good way. Yeah, I agree. Such an atro- such an atrocious trend right now, but they like they they are really like the proper hard band. They're really good. Well, uh, well, thanks a lot, Ralph, and um, you know, definitely we'll, we're going to be in touch, and you know, every, everyone out there, uh, you know, pre-order that that Ulto record. So, you know, pay attention to the, the news and all that stuff out on their web about them. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I got I to gotta say a last shout-out to Andrew Hernandez II, yeah, who man. I also miss dearly. Like, he's a good guy, and I haven't talked to him in a while. But, like, we both have history with him. It's like, Andrew, I hope you hear that. You're still awesome. And, yeah, thanks, Mike, for having me. 
All right, dude.